Hey, 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 welcome to VIP Cafe. I hope you like our intro music sponsored by Ron Jeremy. My name is Brian Belasco. I will be one of your friendly hosts for today's podcast, joined always by the one and only Greg Smith. Greg, say hello. How's everybody doing today? Good day. It's a beautiful day, and what's crazy about Youngstown, Ohio, is last time Greg and I were in the studio, we had shorts and t-shirts on. Today, we have sweatshirts, gloves, hats, and pants on because, you know, within a, a, a moment's notice, Youngstown, Ohio weather switches from 30 degrees to 70 degrees. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, we, we, we get to use the wardrobe. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, VIP Cafe started in January of 2021 over a cigar in a smoke shop. So Greg and I are right now... Hanging out at Havana House, Boardman Poland Road, sharing a cigar, talking with guests, talking about life, and just shooting the breeze. Yep, and our first guest today is Joe Schiavone. He is the Honorable Joe Schiavone, elected in November to the Mahoney County Courts, and he was a former state senator. At 28, he was appointed to state senate, and he has led this area very well, uh, had respect from everyone he's he's one of our our dearest dearest citizens here and uh, we wanted to just uh, get his take on how wonderful this beautiful place is yeah cue the applause if we had it joe we'd cue it <laughs> well, i didn't get to i didn't get to hear the music on the front end of it so i can't comment on my feelings on it but i'm sure it was good <laughs> it was a classic old school no, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad to be on. You know what you guys were saying was funny about the weather here because I got yelled at by my son's kindergarten teacher because I forgot to put gloves and hats in his bag on Tuesday and he froze his butt off. She wrote me a note that basically said the weather in Youngstown sometimes <laughs> can catch guard. Dominic was very cold today outside because he did not have hats or gloves. Please pack hats and gloves. Oh, that's great. Just have him go to the lost and found box. You ever notice how lost and found? box have hats and gloves shoes <laughs> sure kids does. leave the darndest things everywhere so well, they for, wouldn't let that happen with covid you know oh that's, that's right true. in a normal world i would say yeah yeah you're right spray Jeez. it down with lysol there you go <laughs> so for those of you who don't know joe Shavoni, uh born and raised actually well i would say born in columbus ohio the buckeye state uh grew up south side of youngstown joe how was it growing up on the south side of youngstown well, it was different than than it is today. Um, you know, just the appearance. But you know, I I'd say that it was awesome. You know, I had a great upbringing. Uh, I grew up right behind Handles uh, on the corner of Midlothian and Market Street. There, the original uh, Handles, called, right? That's the yeah, original street called yep. Elva back there. It's off Howard and um, great neighborhood, great kid. You know, we would. You know, my parents let us do pretty much anything we wanted, uh, as long as we came back for dinner and we were respectful of the rules came back before it was dark it was all good and you now we had a guy down the street that had a little wiffle ball league for us and i was in like second third grade at that point and it was awesome i mean we would go there right after school this guy would like keep our stats and we would have like a little league we'd ride our bikes around that neighborhood go to brown's drugs and dill and the united uh family store right there we really you know go to handles of course and get ice cream and it was a uh, it was awesome i mean we moved to boardman and i started boardman schools in the middle of fourth grade 
I went to St. Dominic's, came through four, and, you know, I, I loved it there. Catholic boy, St. Dominic's. I was a St. Luke. Remember St. Luke's? Yeah, my kids went to preschool at St. Luke's. They only have a preschool now. They don't have a grade yeah, school. It's, it's, it's still bummer. awesome, though. It, is a, it was a great school. I went I went uh, first grade through eighth grade at St. Luke's. Wow. Good place, man. Very good. And, you know, I, I try to – my wife and I are always going back and forth about whether or not to send the kids to public or Catholic school, but it's a tough call. They go to Boardman right now. I went to St. Dom's, like I said through halfway through fourth my wife is went to st dom's and went to mooney but i went to boardman middle school and boardman high school so you know there's there's pros and cons to both correct it's it's the education and the environment so it's funny you said your wife went to cardinal mooney so i graduated from carl mooney 1991 i have she's three 98. she's 98 okay and i have three children so i have a 17 year old son ben a 14 year old daughter angelie and a 12 year old daughter natalie and and wouldn't you know it, my son Ben, who's a junior, and my middle daughter Angelie, who is a freshman, both go to Ursuline. They said, forget mm-hmm. you, Pop. We're going to Ursuline, which is a great, great school. I'm very happy they're there. Absolutely. But you're like a sellout, aren't you? Correct. I caught a lot of flack from my my Mooney brethren for sending my kids to Ursuline, but I thought, what am I going to do? It's the, Pick one. Mooney or Ursuline. But here's what's funny, Joe. My youngest daughter, who's at St. Charles right now, is going to Mooney. So in two years, I'll have one at Ursuline and one at Mooney. Wow. And then you'll be back halfway back in the family. Correct. They let you back in. They'll let me back in. You get to get one of those half-half sh- half shirts. <laughs> yes. Right? So here's something our, our listeners might not know about Joe Schiavone. Golden Gloves Tournament Champion 1995. Joe, tell us about the Golden Gloves and how cool that was. Well, that was the last one that they had in Brothers Fieldhouse. So, you know, everybody that's from the older generation from the Valley are always talking about how they would pack the house for the Struthers Fieldhouse for the Golden Glove Championships in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Then it kind of dropped off in the 90s, but we still had tournaments in the early 90s. And that 95 tournament was the last one that they had. Now, they still have amateur boxing shows and things like that still today, but that was the actual last Golden Gloves in the area. You know, I was a junior in high school at that point. Actually, I was a sophomore in high school at that point. It was pretty awesome. I fought this kid from McDonald's for the title, and, and I won that that mat. Um, I had five amateur fights altogether, so it's not like I was, uh, you know, contending for the, you know, lightweight championship of the world. It was amateur boxing, but it was a good experience. I fought in Youngstown a couple times. I fought in Erie, Pennsylvania. I fought in Steubenville, and I fought in Cleveland. You know, I, I did that throughout high school, and that was about the extent of it. I went to OU for school and uh, called the boxing career, uh, closed the book on it after high school. So tell me, what what from boxing and from the athletics, what, what have you used, what did you learn from that that you apply in your life today? You just got to outwork people. And, you know, I was never the most talented fighter. I was never the most talented athlete, but I always gave 100 10 percent i always trained properly i always worked as hard as i could and i gave it my best so i do it with all my workers comp files and all my workers comp clients i do it in the courtroom i tried to do it in the senate i try to do it as a dad i mean sometimes you sometimes you win sometimes you lose but as long as you work as hard as you possibly can then at least you know that you did what you're supposed to do and giving it your best is always the best lesson that i always give kids when i go to classrooms or to my kids. Because 
You know, it's it's easy to work as hard as you can, and then you feel like as long as you did the best that you can, you know, you let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, you know, a lot of people think you know it's in the genes. You know, he he was born to a good family and all that, and you know, I'm sure you use Wranglers or, or Levi's. You know, of course, but Dungarees. the truth of it is, is it's hard work. It is definitely hard work. It is definitely putting your nose to the grindstone and, and working those long hours. And you know, when it's dark and quiet, and you know, you're, you're sweating and everybody else is sleeping. Those are the, those. That's what makes the difference. And you know, sometimes I think people forget that. And uh, they absolutely do. And you know, even even like in my office here, like I come in on the weekends for a couple hours just to get caught up so that I'm prepared for the week. But I also call people back during the weekend, and the response that I get from that is they are shocked first. Yeah. But then they're really appreciative, and then they know that you're grinding in there, and they know that you care about their case. And then even if you interrupted whatever they were doing, they're grateful that in the back of their mind, they're like, that dude works hard. Yeah. And so they feel like they're in good hands with you as their attorney. Yeah. I, I mean, you make a good point. Good work ethic, whether it's on the basketball court or in the courtroom, uh, they go hand in hand. So. I think someone who has the ability to work hard in everyday life will work hard in every facet of their life. And that's you, Joe. In fact, speaking of Joe Shavoni, who's our guest today, Bobcat, right? Ohio University and then Capital for Law School, correct? Correct. And then you said, hey, I'm, I'm heading into politics. Tell us about your journey into politics. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't really ever say I'm heading into politics. I, I guess I, <laughs> that was never the plan. Okay. Uh, I came back home and I uh, started working at the law firm representing injured workers like my dad. My, you know, my grandfather used to be Green, Haynes, Shivoni, and Scambatti, which is a big firm downtown. And my dad broke off in the 80s. And so the plan was always for me to go to school and then come and, and take over the place. And so that was the plan. And I did that uh, for three or four years. And then there was an opportunity to get involved in politics. And so what happened was John Bocherry ran for Congress in the middle of his state Senate term and was successful in that run. And so they were looking for, in 2008, they were looking for a new, state senator to a point. And I don't know any of this is going on at the time, but Capri Cafaro, the minority leader at that time, gets a list from the counties that serve the 33rd district. She wants to expand the list when she gets the initial list. So then she makes like an open application, almost like, hey, you want to be a state senator? Apply at the Ohio Senate. And some people, you know, Harry Michelle, who used to be the president of the Senate and very influential. He was a friend of my grandfather others some others from the area said joe you know you're a young lawyer at that point i wasn't married i didn't have kids i was very ambitious i did i had a lot of time i was a part of a lot of nonprofit boards and things and i was just trying to work in the area to, to try to do the best that i could and they said this might be a good opportunity for you put an application in and see what happens i thought about it talked to my wife who's my girlfriend then about it and i said you know what let's go so i went for it and went through a round of interviews there was like an interview with 10 people and then there was interviews with it got done to three and then they made a decision and then I started as a state senator and so that's kind of how I started when I first got appointed 
Then I had to run in 10 almost immediately, which was, you know, that was kind of a whirlwind. You know, it's interesting, though. You know, you, you know, there's a lot of great names you dropped there, a lot of great servants to our valley. And people say, well, look, it's who he knew. That's how he got in. But the truth of it is, you went in, you immediately were put into leadership, and then eventually got to be the minority leader. And that that doesn't come because you quote unquote know people. That becomes true because you've earned people's trust. So let's well, talk sure. let's talk about that. How do you as a as a representative and working with people alongside you earn their trust? Because I know for a fact when you left, you got a standing O from the entire assembly. You know, that is something you you know everybody wants to have, that type of respect. And you know, what do you what did you do I know you didn't work to have that, but that was the that's what happened because of what you did. So when I first went down there, honestly, I knew nobody, and I got a lot of there was a lot of people looking at me like, who is this guy? Like, who is this kid? Like, I didn't come from a political family. I didn't come from a political background. I was extremely young. I had no experience in politics. It was not the normal path that you go from doing nothing in politics to be a state senator. And so I really took the time to, number one, be friendly and cordial to everybody. Number two, really listen instead of talk for that first six or eight months, you know, just trying to soak everything in. Making good hires with people that do have experience that I could trust that really could explain some of the stuff that everybody would expect that you would know, but you just don't know. And so really just learning first, listening, and then really trying to build on some strengths that I had. I and mean, being an attorney and being a workers' comp lawyer representing injured workers, I focused on those issues that were important to workers, worker safety issues. I was a part of Big Brothers and Big Sisters, so I focused a lot on education policy. And really that's where they put me at the beginning was education committee and on the labor committees. And I really just focused on the things that I knew and tried to learn the other things on the fly. It's it, That's a good point. You were kind of like a, a sponge. Hey, I, I'm not a politician necessarily, but I'm willing to learn and, and, and help in any way possible. And that's a great attribute of a human being. Well, you've got to use common sense. I mean, there you could instantly, you know, sometimes your gut's wrong in life, but you got to use it and you got to use it to the best of your ability. So if you see things, you get a feel for people, you get a feel for people you could trust. Sometimes you get burned by that. But for the most part, I was very fortunate in making decisions of who to trust and who not to trust and what kind of politician I wanted to be and what kind of politician I didn't want to be. And those are things that were really, really important to me. And I'm lucky because I had a lot of people that I could bounce things off that I trusted and then go out and act publicly after making a a private decision about something yeah that that is a very good point and the the question I have for you is how did you survive those Halloweens at Ohio University yeah that was tough <laughs> that was tough I mean everyone and knows I mean, OU had great parties I attended a few myself <laughs> yeah I mean I don't want to sound like a you know like an old jerk or something but like the kids aren't allowed to have fun anymore now they're only allowed to have one guest per student and everybody has to have a wristband like i had every single person that i knew from high school for every halloween come down and stay in my little dorm room like it was so much fun and all the kids that went to all the other schools all came to ou for halloween but they're not allowed to have fun anymore to that extent but it was a lot of fun and i, I loved ou it was it was a great place and i got a lot of friends from all over the country that you know went 
to school there that I can, you know, that we still stay in contact with, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I went to Miami, and we came up and visited a few times, too. So <laughs> even though our schools are a little bit of rivals, we still uh, were able to have some fun together. There's no oh, Miami's awesome, too. My youngest brother went there. It's a great So November 3rd, 2020, you said, hey, I'm going to try this judge thing out. Tell us about that journey. So my term was up for the Senate. You can only do two four-year elected terms. I actually did 10 years because I did that appointment on the front end for two years. Then I ran in 10. I ran in 14. My term was up in 18. Prior to my term running up, you know, I, I traveled the state for almost three years trying to build a campaign to run for uh, governor. And so I did that. And I was unsuccessful in the primary, but we put in a lot of work and we we really created a lot of good relationships and really tried to give people a good vibe about politics and honesty and working hard for people. It didn't work out because truthfully, I didn't have the millions of dollars that was necessary in order to get on TV across the state. But it is what it is. So I took a step back. I came back home. I started getting back into workers' comp and other things and doing a lot of legal work. And then there's an opportunity to run for county court judge. It isn't, it is not a full-time judicial position. It's a part-time judicial position to which you could still do legal work as long as it didn't conflict. And I thought to myself, okay, I could still be a lawyer. I could serve the community as a judge give people a fair, honest, judge that is going to really put in the work like I've always done. And let's give this a shot. And so I thought to myself, my background as a lawyer combined with my background as a legislator, making laws, working hard in the courtroom as a lawyer would give me a unique experience that a lot of other candidates wouldn't have. And so I put my best foot forward and I was successful in that. And I've been doing that since about the third week of November. That's a good point. Let me ask you this. Now now that you are a judge, how has understanding the laws and understanding how they're created and what they're about influenced your ability to be a good judge and and to, to be fair? So you have to remember when you're a judge that you have to follow the law as written. So for that day, when you have the people, you have the defendant in front of you, you have the lawyers arguing the case, you got to keep your feelings about what you feel about that law to the side and follow that the law as written. But I've already joined a lot of the groups to the Supreme Court, uh, the legislative groups to you know, lobby legislators about changes that you might want to see in certain laws as a county court judge. You can be influential in both ways, being fair with the law that is written in front of you for that particular day. But if you think there needs to be some changes, then you can you know, talk to your legislators about how to change those. So let me ask you this, Joe. I'm reading your background. It's phenomenal. And again, the fact that you are a Southside man from Youngstown, what made you want to stay in this area with regards to maybe it's because you met your wife from here or your family's from here. I know when you were going back and forth from uh, Capitol that you came back home and worked at Catula Meats, correct? Correct. And here's something I read about you that I thought was very interesting. Fab Arts. Remember Fab mm-hmm. Arts? Okay, so my father was at Fab Arts in the early 70s and 80s. When I saw that, I thought, wow, my dad was a well-fitter all his life, and, and Fab Arts was one of the one of the buildings he worked in. What did he do there? He was a fil- he was a weld fitter all his life. Yeah, that place was a tough place to work. He had to be a tough guy. He was a tough guy, and he, he left there and, and ended his career at Gerard Machine. Still doing the same thing all those years. 
years, but but I always like to ask people what keeps you in Youngstown. I'm a Youngstown native, born and bred, just like Schwabel's bred. Uh, I could go anywhere because of my profession, and, and, and I travel like a maniac, and people say, you could live anywhere. I just have to be by an airport, but I choose to stay here. My choice is because of my family and friends, and I love Youngstown, but Greg and I are just curious, what makes you stay here? I mean, I have... I love this place. And I tell people from all over the state and all over the country, if you came here, you'd love it too. I mean, we have good, hardworking people. I think that we're unique in, you know, maybe everybody has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Like you feel that toughness from your past and you want to show people how great Youngstown is. Now, sometimes we can be our own worst enemy when people get in trouble from around here. And then you got to kind of explain that to others and then try to highlight the positives. But it's for me, the people are good hearted people here. It's a beautiful place to live. There's good quality family living here it's affordable there's good schools i mean for for my kids they love going to the park they love fishing it's great for both of those things good sports good kids like i just think it's a good place and i really wouldn't want to live anywhere else i love traveling just like you like i love going all over the country and checking out different things for vacation but i don't want to live there i want to live here when he had the um the green berets came up and did a play on what it's like to be you know in the service and and the the, the all the cast met and the guy came to me he says i i don't understand something i go what he says we tra- we travel the whole country he said this is the only place where you have both sides of the aisle shaking hands supporting us loving us in a way i've never seen before and i thought that was really cool to hear that but it's really true i mean i remember when when diamond steel our our company burnt down to the ground our competition came and helped us get back on our feet you know we we really 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 believe in relationships here and and it's huge and i think to a degree that the rest of the country might might be able to get something out of that. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I mean, and you live by that, Greg, and you, and you, I see you do that. I mean, you've done that with me. So, you know, you're not just BSing. Like, that's real. That's something that's really important to you because of your deep roots in politics, and you've seen that political divide in other places and other communities. Here, people just want the truth. They just want people that are going to go out there and do what they say they're going to do. And so when they see that, they can put – now, it's gotten super crazy with the last election. So, I mean, I say that with an asterisk right now. But prior to this last election, yeah, I agree with you. It was like nobody really cared about R&D. It was more about the person and like, come on. Like we, we got to all work together for our community, for jobs, for schools, for making this place marketable for others, bring, keeping young people here. As long as you were talking about things that matter to everybody, you could stay out of the political fray. That's how I always tried to do it. Talk about building Youngstown in the Mahoning Valley. Talk about improving the schools. Talk about improving somebody's ability to get a good job. That flies with everybody, no matter your political affiliation. And so as long as you stay in that lane and you don't go hyper-partisan, I think you'll be supported by everybody. Absolutely. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of good that has come from Youngstown, from from boxers to politicians to movie stars. Uh, the one thing that, that I love about Youngstown is the cookie table. When I, when I travel and I tell people we have cookie tables at our at our weddings, they're confused. 
and they don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, they're the best. I mean, my mom makes all those cookies, and she sells them all for, you know, she she makes a ton. She's just making because they were good and would give them out. But then people started saying, oh, I want them for a wedding. She makes them all the time, and, you know, she makes dozens and dozens and dozens in her personal oven for people for Christmas. I mean, all the clothespins, all the Hershey Kiss cookies, all that stuff, and they're they're amazing. So that is something that's unique. And our food here, I think, generally is unique and good. And everybody that comes here says, you know, that's good stuff. The pasta and just the different varieties we have. Yeah, there's when we do TEDx, uh, the, the, all the speakers that come from around the world just love our food. That's absolutely true. You know, one thing I want to ask you in, in this closing here is what piece of advice, what piece of advice would you give the young people and the people of this area from all you know so far in your life? I was asked this in when I went to a school last year, and the the answer that kind of just flew out of my mouth was, you know, it's not all about you. So, like, it's not all about you in life. It's about us. It's about building communities. And so I think that we're, you know, a lot of people raise their kids to be the best and you got to do this and you got to do this. Well, that's important, but it's really important to improve the greater good of where you live and in your family and your friends and just working towards making it better for everybody. You know, I try to tell my kids all the time, like the most important thing in the world is to help others. And I want you to be successful, but you do that through helping others. And it feels good to do that too. And so if you keep that as the main priority, I think you're going to be in a good place mentally. I think you're going to be in a good place with ha- with your happiness. And it's just something that is important. You know, it's not about you. It's about all of us. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, Joe. I got into a conversation with someone weeks ago about how do you raise your kids? And my answer was pretty simple. I just be me. When my kids see me doing something positive towards someone else, it gives them the green light to be positive towards someone else. If my kids see me being a jerk off to someone else, it kind of gives them the green light to be a jerk off it as does. well. It's, it does. None of us are perfect. All of us are going to be jerks at some point. But when you do it, you got to acknowledge that you are. And then you have to try to make it better. I mean, I do that. If you, if I'm driving down the street and somebody cuts me off and I was having a bad day and my kids are in the back seat and I might swear and like, be like, what the hell is this guy doing? Or so, you know, then I think to myself, like, it's unnecessary, right? And then, yeah, you don't want, it's just like, but sometimes you, sometimes it happens. We're not and perfect. When it happens, you have to remedy the situation. Yeah, accountability. I mean, that, that we could have a whole two hour discussion on accountability. And it seems to me that you are a genuine person who, who, is accountable for his own actions. And that's what, to me, makes you a good person. But but beyond being a good person, a great uh, member of the Ohio Senate, a, a great judge. So we are definitely looking forward to talking to you again. We have Joe Schiavone, uh, who is a newly appointed, I guess, Mahoning County judge. Joe, elected. Yeah. yeah. That means people yeah, went out and said, we I like this guy. I hope. I mean, I try to do the best I can. You can't make everybody happy, especially being a judge. And that is probably, for me, the hardest thing about being the judge is that, you know, I'm used to, as a lawyer, I represent my client and I, I represent the guy against the company. So it's a good role, underdog role for me to accept in my head. And then as a senator, it was always, let's take on the big project. Let's try to take it on and try to make change for the better. In this 
somebody's happy and somebody's not most of the time. And I can't make everybody happy as a judge. And that is difficult for me, but you got to make a decision and you got to make a decision quick based on you know how you feel in that particular moment. You don't have hours and hours to study the situation. You got to use your gut. You might be right, you might be wrong, but you got to make a decision based on what you feel in the facts and the law that's presented. Yep. Uh, Billy Joel said it best. You might be right, but you wait, what is this song, member? You may be right, but you may be wrong. Yeah. All and right. I, and I think about that all the time. You know, it's like you got to, you might be 60, 40 on something. You just got to go with the 60 and hope you're right. Yep. I'm, I'm the same way. I want people to like me, but I realize everyone's not going to like me and I just have to be who I am. And the main thing, be fair. And if you're a fair judge and you're a fair father and you're a fair husband, and you're a fair friend. I mean, what's not to like? Again, this is Greg Smith and Brian Belasco. We have just spoken with Joe Schiavone, Southsider from Youngstown, 1995, Golden Gloves champ, elected Mahoning County judge. Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, have a great day, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you take care. Mm-hmm.